Was That Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from kinks to long distance dating to attachment styles and everything. Today's guest is Colin, aka Queer Cosmos. Hi, Colin. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for letting me be here, Rye. It's an honor. I appreciate it. So would you mind maybe telling, I mean, myself as well as the audience a little bit about what you do? Sure. So I'm an astrologer and I primarily focus really on the on the field of relationships within astrology. So I've written a few books on astrology. I write the weekly horoscopes for Cosmo.com. Uh, among others, I'm a part of the Cosmo Council. And I think really, you know, to, to quote Esther Perel, the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our relationships. And so many people are looking at astrology right now. Uh, because we are in a in a real global crisis, and people look to spirituality for clarification. So I try my best to contribute within that listening uh, with astrological help and the support of other evidence based research on relationships too. Oh, I love that. I yeah. I have always been interested in astrology, but never really had anybody who you know was able to kind of explain it a little bit more on a deeper level. And then my most recent roommate, who I've now lived with for a year and has become one of my best friends, mm. um, she dabbles in astrology. She's uh, mostly uh, a Reiki teacher and intuitive tarot manifester. Um, very cool. But she's very into that space, so it's been nice to kind of be able to um, to hear her talk about it, or to kind of be able to link things when I'm, you know, ranting or talking yes. about relationships and stuff like that. <laughs> the linking, I know that's what we're always doing. We have like our finger in the air, like, but do you know their birthday? Because nothing yeah. that you're about to say is going to be clarified without it. And I actually, I, I, I didn't ask you before this was re- started recording. What is your sign? What is your astrology? So my sun sign is Taurus. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Which, and do you know your moon or rising? Yes. So my rising is Aquarius and my Great. moon is Gemini. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I always, I always, and I, I don't even know if this is true or not, but I always say that I feel like Tauruses get maybe not a bad rep, but I always feel a little bit like embarrassed about it because I feel like Taurus is boring <laughs> and all like, the memes and stuff about Taurus are just about like snacks and sleeping and shopping, which right. is true. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you went, it's true-ish, but let me hit you with the fact that I'm creating something creative about relationships. So that's not all we do, okay? Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, I like to be able to, I like to tell people, anybody who knows about astrology, I'm like, I'm a Taurus, but listen, listen, I, I'm a listen, listen. rising, right. <laughs> I'm Venus, I, I have more uh, going on than meets the eye. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the vast majority of astrologers that I love and admire do not think Taurus is boring at all. We think you are enormously safe and secure and so much fun and a pleasure to be around and just beautiful and kind and thoughtful and generous. Like, I absolutely love Taurus energy. I just think that because the internet doesn't always have the most sophisticated understanding of really anything. You know, there <laughs> has been a lot of simplistic analysis around all of the zodiac signs. Uh, but true. I do not experience Taurus as just like the queen of snacking and sleeping and shopping. Although I would do all three of those things with you should you want to. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so much better. And yes. speaking of signs, you're a Gemini, so I am. Soon or did it already happen? It happened last weekend. Yeah, just happy turned 31. Thank you. Thank you so much. And happy belated birthday to you too. Thank you. Uh, my my boyfriend is actually a Gemini. Beautiful. Because you are a Gemini moon. And you may have more Gemini in your chart too. Maybe a Venus or a Mars arrangement. But I love that. And I, for the record, let's just dive right into this. I don't yeah. believe in good or bad compatibility. I think that every single Zodiac match can actually learn how to connect meaningfully with every single Zodiac sign if they want to. 
that's actually one thing that I was going to ask you about was, so you read couples and I was going to ask mm-hmm. if you find it challenging when you kind of get charts that seem on the surface incompatible. Well, I don't go in with that method of is it compatible or is it not? Okay. Right? I, what I do is I let the chart kind of tell me what's happening because every astrologer is trained to investigate and ask the chart the right question so it can kind of reveal the answer in the consultation. So what I'll do in in couples counseling is I'll just kind of hear where they're at, what their struggles are. Uh, I begin every uh, couples counseling session by asking them, what makes it difficult for you to be in a relationship? Why is it difficult for them to be in a relationship with you? Because let's begin with responsibility. We're masters at knowing why other people are guilty, not so astute at knowing why we are personally dysfunctional as well, right? So start there with radical responsibility. I ask them to tell me how they met so that they can kind of return to the story of the way that they fell in love. And then we just have a little bit of a a meaningful conversation around communication, intimacy, sex, boundaries. And I love that work. I actually think it's the most rewarding. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so, I love that you take that approach of like, no, nobody can really be incompatible if, if, you know, the love is there and if they want to work on it. And and like you said, take responsibility and things like that. Well, and that's, I think the most high-minded approach to really anything. I think the way to achieve freedom is through radical responsibility. And I stand by that totally. And I think that in relationship, it confirms what we know in the clinical literature on relationships is that relationships are a feedback loop. And so if you see yourself at cause within the vast majority of effects, right? Of course, with abuse and trauma, harassment, notwithstanding, we have a no tolerance policy for that. But I think if we understand that if relationships are a feedback loop and you take radical responsibility for the part that you're playing to initiate that echo, you're playing a completely different relational trajectory. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's supported in a vast majority of evidence-based studies through the through the couples counselors that I admire. You know, they always say if you want to change the other person, change yourself first. Yeah. You know, so starting there with that level of autonomy and responsibility from relationships to really most life arenas, there's little you cannot do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of times I have, you know, people who I talk to or, or friends or whatever who seem to have um, and, and not that the blame is always on them or a hundred percent on them, but they seem to have kind of the same issues over and over with right. lots of different people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then you as a relational student, right. You know, I think the way that you could be most served for those discussions is saying like, well, you're the common denominator Yeah. and we don't have the luxury of talking to them. So what part did you play? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's so hard to kind of to, 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 to ask that question because you don't <laughs> know. know if you're going to be met with resistance or with anger. Um, right. But it is such an important question to ask is if every single thing in my life is kind of ending in the same vein, it's like what is, like you said, what's the common denominator there and what can I do to change it so that I can break this cycle? Yes. And this is said in a lot of the recovery circles, which I really love. And it's your best thinking got you here. Yeah. So, you know, let's kind of begin with that responsibility. And to the point of the astrological perspective on this, there's an enormous amount of transits actually in the energy of Capricorn. And Capricorn is an energy that really does expect radical responsibility so that you can achieve personal triumph. Right. And so, absolutely. And if we have that framework from now until November, then we will be really operating within a fantastic tenor of our personhood and relational outcomes. 
I feel like that makes sense even on even on more of like a work and creative level. Totally. Even going farther than relationships. I feel like so many people I know in my life right now are like on the cusp of something great or they're feeling really motivated. Right. And all it's kind of taking is like that last step of like, okay, I need to put in the work. I need to kind of take the next step and, and yeah. take fear out of it. And yeah. whether that's, like I said, in work or relationships, it's kind of the same thing. It's like people are kind of on the on on the verge of greatness and they kind of need to to be that catalyst to, to make it happen. Yes. And I think making it both end, right? Knowing that, yes, the vast majority of the responsibility falls on you. And then also who is standing shoulder to shoulder with you to remind you of your worth, your values, and your mission statement? Because yeah. when you do this work, you will be emotionally dysregulated. You will be emotionally compromised. You will be met with failure. And so having a group of people who dust you off and put you back on your feet and say, yeah, that really sucked and I'm so sorry, but you got to keep doing what you're doing. Having those people kind of already established as well is, I think, enormously essential to the crucial work that we're all doing. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think, yeah. I, I mean, there have been so many times, especially in recent in recent months with everything going on, where especially now we're having to lean on the people in our lives that matter yes. most to us. I mean, we're all kind of sharing this this trauma, right? And this shared Absolutely. kind of craziness that we're going through. And yeah. more than ever, I think yeah. I'm like, I'm being so incredibly aware and grateful for the people in my life that I'm able to lean on that are able to be honest with me and that are able to kind of give me the confidence I need to do those things. Yes. And I love that you mentioned that you're an Aquarius rising initially because this Aquarius Raya is the energy that stands for shared humanity and that none of these experiences, uh, experiences are existing in a vacuum right? We all have yeah. different vantage points and experiences and genders and races and classes that create more of a complicated nuance and individualized quality of experience, which always needs to be discussed. And yeah. yet we are in a moment of collective grief and collective trauma. And that sentient connection between you and all other human beings is what Aquarius stands for. And seeing that perception as the way home. It's a dilemma, absolutely. It's high-minded, abstract intellectual thinking. And yeah. yet, what other what other what other sensibility is going to get us out of this mess? Right. Absolutely. Wow. That I I had no idea about it. that had anything to do with Aquarius. That's so oh, interesting. It most certainly does. And it's whenever I talk to an Aquarius in a reading, I always feel nervous about telling them, like, you know, you so you're the sign as fixed air, right? Because every astrological uh, zodiac sign is a combination of modality or quality and a corresponding element. So Aquarius is the one and only fixed air sign. Right. And yeah. so to me, fixed plus air is an astrological equation that equals the conscience that's required to understand shared humanity. And that a rising tide raises all ships. And that when you help one person, you help the collective. And when you heal yourself and be a part of who you need to be within that collective, you are working with unlimited possibility. And they always go, Oh, yeah, no, that's totally me. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny that you get that you're met with that because I was going to say that feels like a. I can see why you'd be nervous about that. That feels like yeah. a lot of pressure to tell someone. <laughs> it does, and it's and it's very very abstract, right? Yeah. It's not it's not like talking about you know a little bit more grounded, perhaps fire, water, earth elements. Like air is you can't see it, you can't hold it, you just have to know it's there. Yeah. And that's the interesting notion with other air signs is that when I tell them that, then they usually say, though, rather beautifully, oh, yeah, no, I know that's true. 
(laughs) (laughs) They don't, they don't go, wow, that's weird. I never heard that. What is, what is a shared humanity business? You lost me here. They go, oh yeah, no water is wet. The Pope is Catholic. Go on. Yeah. (laughs) They just know. I'm like, really? It's so that it's so in your bones. They're like, absolutely. They're activists. They're involved in social justice. They are trying to find ways to regulate capitalism or critique capitalism. Like they're just doing so much work to benefit the all. And I'm just like, yes, Aquarius, like, don't let me interrupt. (laughs) So obviously I think kind of like, you know, like you said, uh, you know, all, all signs and, and somebody's entire chart can, Mm -hmm. everybody can be good in relationships depending on, you know, who they're with and, and I guess the circumstances and if they're willing to kind of be a good partner. But do you find that because Aquariuses have so much empathy that that makes them like really great partners? Ooh. Well, I think every Zodiac sign contributes a specific competence within relationship. Okay. I think that Aquarius contributes a certain nuance around, I do not theoretically ask one special person to provide technically what an entire community of people needs to give me. Okay. Right? So Aquarius energy, again, theoretically, I see them very much treating everybody with the golden rule, the minimum standard of excellence. Wow. All people. Yeah. Like from the barista to the bank teller to their loved ones to their friends to their colleagues, every single person gets the impeccable Aquarian age of I am you, you are me. And so I must treat you respectfully because either, you know, the Christ, the Buddha, the Shekinah, it's an everyone or it's a no one. And so I have to treat you as such. I love that. I wonder if that makes uh, somebody with a lot of Aquarius placement um, more what better equipped for non-monogamy or polyamorous relationships. You know, they would certainly ask questions that would reconstructure it, absolutely. Or yeah. even just say, okay, say I want a monogamous relationship, though because I have Aquarius energy, I will make sure that throughout my time, I am getting emotional, psychological, social needs met from other people so that when I come to you, my beloved, I am not arriving with this, you know, depleted emotional bank account. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So whatever works, right? And But there are Aquarians that are asking the questions, I think, around polyamory and non-monogamous structures in terms of why are we making one person supposed to provide us with the relief of our existential despair? What's going on here? Yeah. And, and I mean, we talk about this a lot on the podcast when we talk about polyamory and non-monogamy and kind of modern love in general about how, you know, as humans, we're so uh, – we can be at times fickle and, you know, emotions are so nuanced and stuff. And right. I feel like there's this sense of enlightenment with some people who are in polyamorous relationships where they're just like, I love person A and they are incredible, uh, but they can, you know, only at their highest capacity serve me for, you know – one, two, and three things that I right. need. And so person B right. comes in and they can give me, you know, four, five, and six, and then we can all feel fully fulfilled and and not, you know, kind of look at our main partner as lacking just because they can't give me every single thing I need. Without a doubt. And I think you can take it a step further and say that orientation does not have to stay in polyamorous connection. It can yeah. exist within other qualities as well. Right, but just really allowing uh, a, a village community centered kind of orientation and conscience to transform the way that we do almost everything. You know, yeah. from friendships too, like even like the word best friend yeah. has like tinges of like monogamy and, and exclusivity. Like there's just a lot of qualities that we can take from that line of thinking and apply and ultimately, I think, enlighten the vast majority of our relational dynamics. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 speaking of of that, uh, I was when I was reading your bio, I did see that when you do work with couples, that you 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 specifically wrote two or more. Do you find it harder to read polyamorous couples? No, <laughs> I I really don't. No, I think that it can be done really expertly. You can use a lot of different astrological ways to do that, from sinistry to composite. Those are some astrological techniques to use. But no, I think that it really they provide so much wisdom to me. Right. Oh, wow. And so I'm tr just trying to do my best to make sure that this conversation, this system includes the richness and the reality of their life experience. But yes. no, they they uplift my conversations all the time. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So uh, going going back a little bit, I, I'm so curious to know kind of where did your your journey in astrology start? What kind of got you into this this space? Well, speaking of relationships, uh, it was my mother because okay. she read an astrological book called Linda Goodman's Sun Signs in okay. the uh, early 70s. And she just loved it. She spoke so often about the vocabulary. She had a poster of the Zodiac sign cancer on her wall. You know, it was really big in that decade. And then she totally aligned with her astrological nature. And she had a pair of Gemini twins because I am a Gemini and a twin. Oh, wow. And they are the sign of the twins. Yeah. So yeah. it was just something that was really spoken about pretty frequently in my house. And I remember yeah. really letting it land for the first time when I was about 12 years old. And then I started to do a little bit of research and I was like, what is this? And honestly, I even remember the first time I typed in G-E-M-I-N-I -I in like AOL.com, right, to age <laughs> yeah. myself. But I just, I remember <laughs> that moment and it just completely seized me. And I am a gay man and I think that we find a lot of resonance with archetypal and metaphysical characters because it, it, it allows us to use our otherness as a source of power. Yeah. So that's why, especially in the queer community, we love witches, we love superheroes, we love icon we love iconography because it's yes. like this this recla this reclamation of my otherness as a source of my strength. And astrology just kind of was that for me. It just let me exist and ask questions that were not defined uh, by this is what we're expected of you if you are a cisgendered straight male. It was right. just completely it was way more multidimensional than that. And then in my early twenties I started attending lectures and, and events on learning more, really without the intention of ever becoming a professional astrologer. I really, I didn't. I just loved it. I didn't even conceive of a world where I could do this. Yeah. And I got there late because I was surrounded by other professional astrologers <laughs> who were like, yeah, duh, you know? And yeah. then when I turned 28, I started a, a website called Queer Cosmos, which is my social media name with my best friend. Her name is Christina Mui, and she is a queer woman of color living in Brooklyn now. And okay. we started a website that wanted to explore sexuality, gender, race through universal spiritual themes of astrology. Um, and that was in June of 2017. And then here I am. Wow. I love that. Yeah. It was a, a long-winded journey for sure. But I really honestly, I had no clue that this was what I was supposed to do until I was like 26, 27. I feel like it it just finds you, right? That's always oh, kind totally. Of <laughs> and then once it does, it's like good luck, you know, releasing and freeing yourself from its grip. It just it doesn't happen. It's like I was just thinking about it today when I used to work at Sephora because just before I called you, I treated myself to some birthday gifts. Right? Speaking of shopping, <laughs> I thank you. Right? And I was like, you know, I remembered when I was a cashier, and each person, because when you work in Sephora, you have to like get their birthday. If they get a birthday gift and oh, right. each you remember like you get a free birthday gift. And yeah. I was talking to people about their astrology at like 20 years old. 
And I had literally, I never would have even imagined a world where I would be doing this professionally 10 years later. Wow, that isn't so. So, the book that your mother originally read, have you read it now as an adult? Oh, yes. Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. Absolutely. It's seminal. For for yeah for for being a a little bit on the older side, does it still kind of like ring true with everything that it says? Yeah, well, there's a lot of like Gemini male, Gemini female, and frankly, I would like to see the complete and total removal of gender in astrology. Oh, okay, yeah, because absolutely. it's like, hello, how many times do we have to say it's a social construct? Yeah. <laughs> And then we bring it to astrology. You know, Venus represents the planet of the divine feminine. Like, oh my God, I'm so bored yeah. with that shit. And Mars too, you know? Mars is the planet of the sacred masculine. Like, it's just, to me, let's get rid of all of it. No gender, no sexuality, not in this conversation at all. Because the chart is unisex. We are gender neutral. I don't want to hear it, right? Yeah. But- Go ahead. Sorry. That makes sense because I I've, I always read, you know, things about my chart and it's, I, I get so much, I think, with the Taurus, like, oh, this is such feminine energy and it's ruled by Venus. And Boring. You're, yeah, you're like a, a little nymphette and, and you're, everything about you is about being pretty. And, and although I, am, I, I, I can be quite feminine, I am femme-facing, I think being pansexual, I have a very masculine side. Oh, um, I'm in a hetero relationship right now, but when I've been in um, homosexual relationships, I am very much the masculine energy. Mm. And it's the one part when I'm reading things that are very kind of like gender-based when it comes to astrology that I'm like, this is off for me. This isn't right. Right. And I think there are people who with the best of intentions want to do that, right? Because when I say I'm bored with the divine feminine, that doesn't mean that I don't want to have conversations where we can talk about gender and women's issues and femininity. Absolutely. Though I think that if we go into the experience with that notion already determined, we're not doing justice to Raya's life. We're not doing justice to your experience. If you told me, yeah, I'd really actually like to know how does Venus help me understand this feminine magnetism? That would be a different conversation. But I don't go into chart readings and talk to other people with like, oh, so you're ruled by the goddess archetype? It's like, oh, God, I'm so (laughs) bored of that. I really am. And I also, and to be honest, I think there's a lot of limiting beliefs that get trickled down from that notion within astrology, which I just have zero fucking patience for. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this kind of, and this is, I guess, more people who are into like the pop astrology, but whenever I hear people who kind of are, are like, oh, I love, you know, this sign when they're women, but I, I hate men. Oh, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and if we're being super transparent, yeah. that's why I'm, that's why I got a tattoo of Mars, actually. Not because I am male identified, but because I think the planet Mars has been grossly misunderstood in astrology because. If you ask a traditional astrologer or a class of pop astrologer, regardless, they'll say Mars is usually a planet of fighting and fucking. Okay. Which, yes, true. That we usually do two of those things with our Mars energy. Absolutely. <laughs> right? But we just stop there because we just kind of think that's the only thing that Mars is known for. And if you think about it too, when we're talking about masculinity, what are the two verbs that we associate the most with that energy? Fighting and fucking. Yeah, and it's absolutely. like let's do a little bit more curiosity inquiry and well no there's there's richness of, of experience within the male identified folks as well and so I talk all the time that I think Mars is the foundation of self-worth by which our entire astrology is built on. I think it's our radiance our desire our wanting our life force our our passion our vibrancy and our enthusiasm. I love that. Yeah, just because again it's like 
we need to bring these energies in. I don't use like gendered adjectives. Like I don't talk about it being masculine. I'll just say it's electric or dynamic. And then we'll bring in Uranus, which is totally fucking gender nonconforming. Yeah. Right. And then say, and then there's this one that's none of it. And let's explore this energy in your astrology too. Right. Like seeing all these different qualities, but yeah, I just, I have no time because we shouldn't be speaking from these biases anymore. It's just like enough. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That's one thing I actually never thought about. That so many of the the books I read or things like that are are so like this is if you're a female and this sign and Ugh. if you're a male and this sign and that's Boring. like you said it's so antiquated now. It really is, and there are astrology books published within the last three years that still do that. And again, that's not to say we can't have conversations about how astrology may intersect with our gender identity. That's not to say that we can't talk about it. But I don't believe that astrology determines gender expression because gender expression is in of itself a fucking performance. So it's just like, you know, we need to, I'd like to see a completely different space when we're like, how much of these assumptions are on both astrology and gender, sex and sexuality? Am I bringing into my identity and my conversations on this? And let me just throw it to the wayside because it's not serving. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I'm sure that that makes it almost more more fun and and interesting for you to read people when you ta- when you take that aspect out of it i can see that as being almost a hindrance i absolutely because you know what i think it is i think it's the foregone conclusion which is oh you have a venus in taurus so therefore you must be only feminine it's like yeah. uh, no bitch like let me go in there without that kind of deterministic outcome already understood and and speak to you from a more open space and let you say, yes, that is what I would like to express. And I do see it this way, or I'm not over there and I want to catch up. So it allows me to also hear how these planets express themselves in your life experience beautifully. And then I can gather that data and hopefully be a more you know grounded astrologer in my approach with this conversation. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So personally, do you ever find, and it feels like you're kind of able to see the beauty in all signs, but do you ever find that in in dating and relationships that you maybe are like put off by by someone's chart or you've had a bad experience with a sign and it kind of immediately kind of makes you unsure (laughs) if you want to pursue that? Do you ever have that? I think a few years ago I would have done that, but now I definitely do not. Yeah, because I, I I couldn't conflate the zodiac signs with like you know with one person. I was just thinking of this the other day. It's funny you bring this up because it's like it would be akin to me saying, "When you hear a bad singer, do you stop listening to music of all kinds?" Very true. And we do this with astrology. It's like, guys, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, what are we talking about here? You know, yeah. and maybe t- ten years ago I might have, but now they're all different kinds of candy to me. And yeah. I have a, a kind of a, um, a, a spiritual understanding in terms of like, I do believe that central casting, the universe, God, whatever language you want to use, it assigns people to each other. This is just my spiritual belief. It's not fact, but this is just what I, this is how I understand relational assignments. And so if the universe has assigned me, say, a Capricorn sun, uh-huh. I'm going to I'm gonna inhabit that dynamic and ask, what are you here to teach me? What are you here to help me understand? I wouldn't go, ugh, not you again, you and your emotional stoicism and your, <laughs> oh, got to work so hard and you're so, you're the disciple of tough love. I can't. I would just kind of go, hmm, what's, what larger story is happening here and how can I show up and be the, the grandest version of myself while I'm in the space of what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. And and it, that that even goes back like like we talked about earlier to my relationship 
with him being a Gemini, me being a Taurus, so many people are initially like, that makes no sense. Right. And and they're right in the sense that we are absolutely so incredibly opposites. And I think it's made us in some, I'd say the healthiest relationship of, of both of our lives in that way, because we are yes. so, he is always overthinking and always working and always, you know, worried about money and all this stuff. And I'm like, let's go have fun and spend yes. money. And it's, 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 it's been great for him to be able to like reel me in. Like he makes Excel spreadsheets for my, you know, for my taxes and stuff. And I- wow. I make I like let him splurge on a bag that he's wanted for years but refuses to buy even though he can more than afford. So <laughs> oh, I love this. And you know what? Well, first of all, I want to date you, damn, because like I need a person who's like, yo, let's go have fun. Um, secondly, I also think that what this speaks to is the fact that we are not attracted to our clone. And yeah. in like the self-help, self-industry crowd, take a selfie, self-care, self-this, self-that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us just kind of like want to find partners that fill our needs as we define them because they do things the way that we do, which is why we're not uncomfortable to be in relationship with them, but we're fucking bored. Yeah. So that's also been proven in in study after study where the Gottman Institute actually talked to me about this one, but I forgot where this study came from. But this researcher allowed heterosexual women to, to smell a sample of shirts worn by heterosexual men, and their options were to identify arousal or disgust based on the smell, right? Wow. And what the study determined was that when arousal was identified, it was from a person whose immune system and genealogical makeup was exactly polar opposite from them. No way. Way, honey. So like when we say opposites attract, we're not kidding. Yeah. And then it becomes, okay, who do you choose to be while you're confronted with contrast? And in astrology, that's the seventh house. You could talk all about that in a session, right? And you could even do that without a client, without a, uh, a partner, say, if you're single and you want to know, oh, where do I go when this happens, right? Yeah. An astrologer can theoretically help you understand that. But I like that you brought that up is that chemistry and growth cannot exist unless there's contrast. But contrast makes us uncomfortable and then conflict happens. And then we go, ugh, I don't want to be in this relationship. Right. You really want to ask yourself like, well, is it because they're not serving your needs as you define them? And what do your needs do for you anyway? And why are you holding this present partner accountable for what your parents did and what your ex-lovers did? That's not their mess yeah. to clean up. So like yeah. check yourself, get over yourself and try your best in that relationship to grow and, and accept the influence, which is what Gottman Institute uses, accept the influence of that other person and you can hopefully allow them to see that they're accepting yours as well. Absolutely. And it's like, it's accepting that challenge too. that challenge oh. of like, this person is not going to think the same as me and they're going to, they're going to challenge my ideas. And, yes. you know, they're going, they're going to kind of force me to, to see things about myself that I wouldn't have seen or that I wouldn't have seen with a partner who sees exactly like me. And, and how although great it's is that? scary, I think it, it, it allows for absolute growth. Without a doubt. And you're also reminding me that this connects to the sexuality piece in terms of you need the other to have an erotic charge because that's desire, that spark, right? That chemistry, it yeah. needs a bridge. It needs a place to go. It needs uncertainty, mystery, and longing. So if it doesn't have that, and this is the work of Jack Morin and Esther Perel, if it doesn't have that, you have a lot of safety, but you have no eroticism. Yeah. So it's about managing and calibrating between, okay, we have the security, we have the friendship, right? And that's definitely what your Gemini does, right? Like with the Excel economics sheet, he is the protector of the security needs that we all have. You yes. are the protector of the excitement needs and the mystery needs, right? And the joy needs that we all have yeah. as well. And if you guys calibrate as best as you can, 
you're working with the most high-minded approach to a relationship, I think. Absolutely. And, and, and on that note, on the, on, on the sexuality note, do you feel like, and, and again, I know it's, it's very nuanced, but are there signs that are kind of known to be, I guess, maybe better lovers or two signs that kind of are known to work super well on a sexual level? I think it depends on you know what they find attractive, right? Because okay. there are some who find emotional safety the most attractive thing before they can have a physical experience, whereas others oh. don't need that too, and that's totally fine, right? So it just what I think your chart will tell you is not necessarily who you are most sexually compatible with, yeah. but you know how Esther Perel says, sex is not a thing that you do, but it's a place that you go. Your chart will tell you where you go when you have sex, what quality of aliveness you bring there, oh, your okay. imagination in that space as well, so yeah. that you can have the language to negotiate, to talk about it with oh. others who could go, well, I never thought of it that way. And because I'm not your clone, hello, bringing it back to the earlier point, yeah. thank you for telling me, let me see how I can do that, but I can refuse or reimagine it with you. I don't have to, but thank you for telling me, yeah, right? Absolutely. So. That's how I would look at it. I love that. Yeah. Do you have any, um, I guess, favorite or least favorite aspects of your own chart or things that you are Ooh. kind of kind of struggle with or you kind of really fully accept and, and love about? Great question. I think I've um, just really as of last week totally started to accept my Leo rising in a different way. Okay. Um, yeah. So because – I have the Leo on the rising sign. So this means that when, you know, I have the qualities of Leo when people first meet me and I get a little embarrassed about it because I would almost prefer to be incognito for sure. But the Leo oh, rising is like, good luck with that. Never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Although I wish I could, I wanted to be left alone and work hard. So that I just feel like I recently accepted. Um, okay. And then also I love within my astrology that I work really hard and I walk my fucking talk. You know, I have a Gemini yeah. stellium with Capricorn. So I am speaking on what I have learned and applied in my own life experience. I'm not talking yeah. off the top of my head, but that complicated quality becomes that I would much rather stay in my head and stay in the theory yeah. than actually move totally to applica application and experience. Got right. It. Cause it. I just want to exist in the ivory tower and just research and write. And I don't have to talk to anybody just yeah. on your own. Come yeah. on, you know, but yeah. now I'm growing into the the parts of my chart that are like, good luck with that. And it's, it's fun and it's exciting and it's complicated, but it's self-actualization and I'm loving it. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's a great mix because then you get to kind of, like you said, go to your ivory tower and, and learn and, and get all this knowledge and gain all of it and absorb it like a sponge and then, and then squeeze it out into the world with the Leo <laughs> rising. I know. I, even though, honestly, I, I wish I could fly under the radar and be camouflaged. But I think when I talk to other Leo-influenced people, what we always say is that it's not that we want the cosmic spotlight. We don't seek it. It finds us. What we do within that energy and what we do within that space is entirely up to us because charisma in and of itself, not inherently righteous, but when you do use your charisma and your influence to help the lives of others, then you're using the Leo rising as it is meant to, which is to represent the ideal and to uplift other people with you. I love that. And that's what I try to do as best as I can. I don't always do it. Don't get me wrong. Trust you me. My Capricorn moon comes out and I'm fighting. I'm like, you're wrong. I'm going to kill you. Da, 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 da. But <laughs> more often than not, I've had to put him to bed because I'm in my 30s now. So I have to incorporate my sun sign more often. Yeah. <laughs> 
never easy. So, so the last thing, the one thing I kind of wanted to end on was in, in your opinion, uh, I know that we're in a Venus retrograde. Uh, we are. Yes. And Gemini, what, what is Somebody that did her research. relationships right now? Well, first I want to just say you are a phenomenal interviewer. Oh, if I may, you. you're so engaged, you're so thoughtful, you're very specific, you have a great energy, you're extremely intelligent and very adaptable. So I just wanted to say that. Oh my goodness. Thank you, you so are much. Good. <laughs> you are good at what you do. Very Gemini moon and Aquarius too. Well, what about this? And did you think about this? And what about this study and this research? I love it. So Venus retrograde. Yes. So this has been going on since May 13th and it will last okay. until June 27th. And yes, it is in Gemini. So a couple of things. First, we want to remember that the mythological story of Gemini is that the twins use their relational differences as resources. Okay. Back to the point around we need contrast to grow. So how are we allowing other people to exist within this experience as they are meant to? Okay. So for example, if your partner very much on the security financial uh, preservation, that's where he feels most drawn to serve. Great. Let him do it. Yeah. Right. But yeah. you would much rather find spaces to increase pleasure in a pandemic. That can be done too. Do yeah. you feel like you have that permission and do you feel like you're allowed or do you think it's more glamorous to be the person that's a little bit more secure and anxious? Right. right? So it's a matter of like letting our relational resources be, be brought forth because we are so different. You know, the, the, the Gemini twins were not identical. They were fraternal, which is not a coincidence. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, one and one passed away because he was not a descendant of Zeus. So he was mortal. The other one was immortal because he was fathered by Zeus. They had the same mother, different fathers. Got it. So when the mortal one died, the immortal one went to Zeus and said, I cannot be without my twin. Like, what can we do? Yeah. And Zeus could not return his soul from the underworld because he belonged to Hades at that point. Mm -hmm. But they, he decided to create the Gemini constellation so they can reunite in the skies forever and shine above us until eternity. Wow. Right. And that story reminds us like that the Gemini quality of connection, disharmony, reunion is a part of this. Yeah. And Venus is in Gemini until August 7th. So this is going to be going on until then. And in that space too, on a, just a day-to-day, -day, you will probably be hearing from your exes. You will yeah. probably be having relational past habits come up. Yeah. And I think too, I'm curious to know what your Aquarius rising would say. And also that beautiful Taurus sun, if you feel moved to like reach out to somebody and say, I'm sorry, or if you feel moved to like share something that you learned about them, I don't think we should not do it. I think we okay. should consider what it's going to be like for the other person to live with that information. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's a lot of encouragement of like cancel, clear, delete, blocked, don't text your ex. And it's like, some of the most healing experiences I've ever had were from reconciliation conversations with former lovers. And I just, I don't, I don't think we need to be that simplistic about it. And yeah. so now back to you, Aquarius rising, Taurus sun, what do you think? Like, would you recommend, like if somebody said to you, I really want to reach out to my ex, I feel really guilty about the way this went down. What kind of advice would you give them? I mean, I, 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 one of the things you said when when you were just when you were just speaking on this was kind of taking their feelings into consideration and how they might accept that. And mm -hmm. I think one thing I've learned um, from breakups and from being friends with exes or even keeping in contact with them is 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 tr is trying to take kind of the selfishness out of it and think, you know, I want to do this. I think it could be good for me. 
if you think that they'll accept it and it could be something that could be healing and good for them and it can be kind of a mutual mm. positive experience, I would say go for it. But I think that there are some situations and with that person is going to take it out of context. Maybe their, you know, their feelings haven't settled and they're going to see it as a, as a kind of an in for, for, you know, some potential, you know, reconciliation or something that you're not in the place for, or maybe, you know, they're, they experience trauma in the relationship and Mm -hmm. it's going to kind of bring something up for them that they're not ready for. It might trigger them. So I think kind of being able to understand and empathize with how they took the breakup and how they took the relationship, which of course is always different than the way we take it and understand if it's, it's important for you to do, but is it so important, you know, that it might, it might hurt them. I know that's the, that's the, and then that, that's the hard part, right? Because we can't anticipate or predict that. And we also, I don't think, need to be constantly asking ourselves, how are other people going to interpret this information? Because that's none of our business and out of our control. Yeah, exactly. So unless they've directly told you, do not contact me ever again, I think we always have the right, actually. If they said, you are a, you re-traumatized me through these conversations, I am re-triggered. Don't ever contact me again. I don't yeah. think we need to do it. But if we've never really laid that finality, I think a lot of beauty can happen just sort of saying to people, you know, I didn't realize who you were and what you offered to me until it wasn't there. I want you to know that I see you in a different light. I hope that you give this again to somebody I value and I appreciate you. Thank you. Doesn't mean it needs to be with me. I don't necessarily want it to be with me. I just want you to know that I'm sorry and that I wish I handled you with more care or whatever, right? And yes. I think th- I think real real healing can come of that through like a meaningful apology. Oh my god! So just something you're, that I wanted to rant about. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're so right, and I think that if you can if you can come at it in that way, and you can be really like you said, empathetic and understanding, and and with an, an apology if it's needed, then I I think it can be great. I think that people who, like you said, even if they have been traumatized in, in a way by the relationship, if they can kind of even get that one text or that one call and that like apology, even if you never speak again after that, it can do wonders. I completely agree. And I think, could we maybe just encourage other people to consider that as a gift of Venus retrograde? Because then what happens is you're not bringing that racket to the next relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's there. Be free from it. 100%. And then I think the beauty, and this is what Aries teaches us all the time because they're the first sign in the Zodiac, but how to fall in love again like it's the first time every single time. Yeah. And that's where I'd like to see people going after the end of Venus retrograde. I know that was a very long answer to your question, but uh, it's Gemini, so I had to be long-winded about it. (laughs) And it was a good answer. And I think that that it it kind of ends on a really good kind of advice note, which is – when when everybody kind of makes the joke that during a uh, Venus retrograde, you know, you're going to get texts from your ex, text your ex. It doesn't need to be in this kind of like unhealthy, toxic way of like, hey, what are you doing? Come over. And it can just right. be like this kind of nice wrap up or this apology yeah. or this this way of kind of like letting go and getting closure. It doesn't necessarily always need to be in a toxic way, which I think a lot of people are always like, oh, retrograde, text your ex. And it, right. it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. It doesn't. And I think you, given your platform and your advice can be really instrumental in saying like you can choose a different conversation if you want to and i think you'd be really amazed at the results if you went in there with structure and dialogue and the proper way to apologize and the proper way to you know kind of review and give the relational autopsy i think that could be just miraculous for people in this transit 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you so much for being on. This was incredible. Oh, thank you. you I, I meant every word. You are a phenomenal interviewer. This was so much fun. I feel like I should go run a marathon. I'm like in the <laughs> Gemini energy from your moon sign in Aquarius. It was like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, I want to go. I want to go run a marathon for real. No, it was amazing. I can't believe that we're already at 45 minutes. It went by so fast. This was this was amazing. Thank you. You are so thoughtful and so amazing. And whatever I can do to be of any level of astrological support and help for you, just please let me know. I think you're great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, all of your information I'll have linked in the bio of this episode so that people can go check you out um, and all of that. But thank you again for being on and oh, stay pleasure. safe out there. Yes. Thank you. And happy birthday to your Gemini partner. Yeah, his birthday is actually on the 6th, so I'll tell him you said that. (laughs) Yeah, Gemini boys sticking together. I love it. And the Excel sheet, that is so fucking funny. Yes, wishing you (laughs) so much uh, relational success and satisfaction there. And now I got to get ready for my next reading, but you were lovely and I appreciated this time. Me too. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye, honey. Bye.